the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody, and what a beautiful afternoon it is. So let's get started thinking positively. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember, you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change your world. Develop a passion for learning. If you do, you'll never cease to grow. That was Nelson Mandela and Ben Franklin. We must act out our passion before we can feel it. And then the one I like to always, stop being afraid of what could go wrong and get excited about what can go right. Tony Robbins. Anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in. As you know, this is a live show. And uh, uh, one of the things we always talk about is we have a lot of material that you can get. And, and you know, I keep talking about uh, our, our my webpage and the Savvy Investor Credit Workbook. I, I can't tell you, this is not the time to be buying bonds. This is time to be selling bonds, okay? Sell your credit. <laughs> and uh, oh, we also have Money Matters for the Young Professionals, all you people out there. And then Women and Wealth, a planning uh, workbook and a business owner's guide to transition planning. But here's some research that's really good stuff, man. I'm telling you, you don't get better stuff than this. The U.S. electrical grid. If we're going to electric cars, you know, and you had that handheld device, you know, in your hand all the time, and you got your computer at home and your TV's wired, you don't need more electricity, folks. And then we have our uh, – I, I looked at day two because I thought that was the best, but we have our virtual global energy power and infrastructure uh, conference. That's really good material, folks. It's just excellent, uh, fantastic stuff. And then we always have our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, uh, our top ideas, our best small cap ideas. I'm going to talk about small caps and mid caps today. Um, and also – our best multi-cap ideas, which are really good. So I highly recommend that. The dividend growth portfolio and the, and the smart, I mean, and the prime income list are in good shape at this point, as far as Tim's concerned. Uh, but anyway, uh, a couple things why we have you. Um, you know, just some facts. College coaches were the highest paid public employees in 40 states in 2019. Hmm. In 2019, athletic departments across all three NCAA divisions generated $10.6 billion in revenue from all sports and spent more than $18.9 billion. The two biggest costs were financial aid for students and athletes and the, co- the coaches' compensation. Something's wrong with that equation. I don't know. That Tim's personal opinion. The jobless rate for teens dropped to 9.6 in May. That's the lowest level since November of 1953. And that's according to the Federal Reserve Day 
uh, St. Louis Fed, which I get their newsletter every every month, by the way. And the, the jobless rate for teens typically hovered between 12 and 14%. And by the way, the last time it was even close to this was during the Trump administration. Uh, in the third year, Trump administration, right before the pandemic hit, it was at 9.7%, the lowest rate since 1962. All right. Uh, so... We had Dan Shortest on, and Dan is our head strategist for the entire world uh, this week. And he, he talked about a few things, and I thought I'd mention them. Uh, first of all, he talked about the easing of restrictions, and economies, economies have progressively reopened, and the activity has been restored to pre-pandemic uh, levels in a lot of the world. So that's kind of good. And he said the problem is strong demand and still challenged supply chains are leading to consumer price increases, i.e. inflation. Uh, and it'll probably remain uh, above normal for some time because many of the forces that are affecting the prices are, are appear to be transitory. But in fact, the peak in recovery intensity may now be behind us, okay, uh, which is good. He said the leading indicators of the economy uh, are off the recent highs, which is another positive. But the, the virus remains a key challenge here because we now have the Delta virus and now the Mu virus, which they said – Vaccines don't work against, which is a big problem. So another potential concern for investors is the eventual removal of monetary stimulus, even with things heading south. Okay, so that's that's kind of interesting, too. Uh, in the bond market, yields have de- declined meaningfully in the past quarter and uh, on the back of some moderating glo- growth and in inflation. Remember, the markets understand things six months ahead of time, usually. Okay, so. Uh, the 10-year yield fell as low as 1.17 just recently uh, from its peak of 175. Uh, but global equities have extended their gains, and, and most of uh, the major indices climbed to record levels, which is really interesting. Fueling the equity rally has been a huge surge in corporate profits, and that's what's really interesting. Uh, are we at peak profits? Uh, you know, uh, it's a reoccurring theme since the pandemic began that better ex- expected profit results are going to continue. So that's the that's the big question. Is that going to con- continue? And I guess the balancing the risks or the opportunities, uh, we, we continue to talk about taking a bias towards risk-taking simply because bonds don't pay you. Okay? It's that simple. Uh, and, you know, when interest rates are the lowest they've been in, basically in history um, – you want to sell your credit. That's what the corporations are doing. You don't want to be buying their credit. You want to be selling yours, i.e., the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. You know, I had a great conversation with one of my clients this week, and uh, she she's a very smart lady, plays piano, uh, you know, very talented. Uh, she also uh, runs a couple businesses, which is very interesting. And we were talking about the wealth plan. And why do you need a plan? You know, look, I, what I like about ours is interactive. And you can change it constantly. You know, it's not one of those things that sits on a, a book that sits on your shelf and grows dusty. It's in your computer. So you can change it. Or it's on your handheld, whatever. You can change it whenever you want. And she said, there's a lot of stuff you got to put in here. Yeah, it is. Look, I want to tell you, I, I, I talked to two other clients this week. You know, and why do you have to put all this detail in? Well, the one client was was talking about the number of cars he's bought. And I said, does your wife know about that? 
she knows about one or two of them, I think. But I think I got four or five of them now. When's she supposed to find that out? He says, well, I don't think she'll mind. I said, that's not the point. They're worth a lot of money. All right? When is she supposed to find that out? So anyway, the question was, my client, she says, this is going to take a long time. I said, hey, you're not going to be the first person where it takes a while. We get it. Okay? What you do is you do a page at a time. And I said, do you know how you eat an elephant? It's my dad's favorite line, by the way. One bite at a time. So when you're dealing with these wealth plans, or if you like our wealth plan, or even if you just like to get financial, you know, look, it's fall again. We're going back to school again, okay? If you'd like any of our financial, you know, we have our financial landscape book where you put all your stuff together, okay? So it's there. You know, believe me, I have been part uh, with a lawyer and a client trying to piece together people's portfolios. I had one guy who had 17 brokerage accounts. Now, they were all small. Mine was the largest, which was good. <laughs> but the problem is, finding those 17s was a, was a disaster. So it's something to think about. All right. Now, uh, here's a couple of things that I, I think are really interesting. Um, first of all, I think you've got to start to reassess your playing field. All right? I think the bulk of the COVID has, uh, risk has passed. I'm not sure about that, but I, I think the pandemic would, would be well in hand by now if it wasn't for the you know, arrival of the more contagious strains and now the mu. But many U.S. companies, including large tech and bank firms, have delayed the return to the office plans to early 2022, all right, from September. All right, so I think this is something you got to be, you know, aware of. And I think real-time measures of hours work, office occupancy, and commercial flights have recently edged lower after big, lengthy advances. By the way, the airlines started to sell off before that, okay? It's a tricky one. This is a calculus that's tricky for for a government. You know, the public tolerance for more lockdowns is very low right now. And I think China merits uh, attention in this context. Uh, it has successfully limited exposure to the pandemic for, for well over a year, a stage of remarkable recovery. But the country's zero-tolerance approach could prove costly and, and highly contagious Delta variant. So it's, things can get really interesting there. But we have a tight and a loose labor market, you know. Uh, the labor market is highly unusual of being extremely tight and extremely loose at the same time. You know, unemployment rates uh, remain very elevated, yet job openings are very high. And it's going to take time to, to hire those people. And I think second, you know, look, a lot of it, uh, workers exited the, the workforce and they, they're getting the option of receiving a government check. You're not going to get that anymore. Schools are back open. The workforce is, is get going again. So it should get interesting. I'm supposed to say that uh, we we do have a, this is a live show. So if you've got a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. I'm sorry. Uh, 216-901-0945. Uh, but it's a, this is a very durable uh, period in the economy. It's a it's a durable cycle, so it's really interesting. So now the question is, you know, will inflation, you know, I mean, inflation's picked up, but will it be transitory like the the Fed uh, uh, thinks? And and I'm not sure about that. But look, I think set September economic data will likely be soft. Uh, at, that could lead to a dovish Fed. That could lead to good markets. And I also think, you know, at this point, 
bad news is good news because it leads to a double spend. All right. So it's going to be an interesting time. All right. Very interesting time. Now, a couple things I think we got to think about. And, you know, one of the biggest concerns in the coming decades is how to feed a growing world population despite the limited scope to expand agricultural land and reduce labor supply due to urbanization. And so it's going to be a Herculean uh, effort, Herculean proportions. Just trust me on that one. The massive environmental impact uh, makes the scarcity um, very unsustainable, but agriculture is the single largest user of fresh water, accounting for over 90% of the global annual fresh water consumption. So I think you got to look at some fields like agri-tech. I think you got to look at water. You know, water is going to be – one of our best picks is water right now. I can't get it to re- <laughs> correct. So gene technology – by the way, agri-tech, one of the things I've been watching is these vertical farms. Really interesting stuff. I mean, uh, they're growing enough crop for a whole city vertically. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. But the other thing is uh, gene technology, you know, how, how you can make the, the plants more efficient, how, they, how can they grow better. Controlled environmental farming, okay, and that's, that's you know, the vertical farms and that type of things involved there, too. Uh, Supply chain efficiencies, which could be very, very big. Uh, and then there's just food tech in general. So it, it it's an area, we have a great report on it right now. I think it's, you know, something that we got to pay uh, quite a bit of attention to, and we should. Um, so somebody asked me, you know, what's your really big worry, Tim, right now? And it's the Little Shop of Horrors, and that's the Fed repo facility. They haven't been very good in the past, and they did a terrible job with Powell in the first part of it, but we'll see. Now, if I look... Um, at the, at the markets, and we start to get a little technical here, and then then we're going to go into the mid caps and small caps and stuff like that. But the key levels for the S and P 500 should signal that the up, uptrend is stalling. All right, so we'll see what happens there. But the first, first support is at 43.72, but we can't seem to it doesn't seem to want to pull back. But you know, so I, I think you got to watch that area, and uh, and that would be the area that hey maybe things are changing a little bit. The ten-year yield, uh, you know, I think you got to look at one the, the between one twenty-two on the yield to one thirty-seven on the yield, because uh, I think we're going to be in that that range for a while. But if we break one to the top or one to the bottom, then things get get really interesting. The one to the bottom would be really interesting because then that would tell us that the economy is slowing down kind of drastically. Now the Russell is getting real interesting. Let's talk about that. Uh, you know, the Russell. Uh, 22, uh, well, 2360 would be a major breakout, okay? Uh, and then 2100 is where you want to, you know, that's when you got to get rid of the small caps. But uh, I did notice a couple things this week, and, and let's talk about that. Number one, people have been looking for a, well, you know, small caps and mid caps. They both turned into a column of X's at my friend Dorsey Wright's. On, on their scopes. And one of the things that happened with small caps is the relative strength went to a column of X's. So not, not only got the small cap, and I'm, I'm looking at the bullish percent for the uh, what we call the mid cap and the small cap group, uh, you know, the bullish percents turned up into a column of X's. We're very close on the small caps, but the relative strength on the small caps did turn up. So that's a big, 
big scenario as far as I'm concerned, because if the small caps and the mid caps start to break out, then we've got the foot soldiers and the archers and the, and the supply chain and everybody else helping out the kings and the knights. That's how you win a war, folks. Okay? That would be very, very positive. So we'll see if that continues. Now, in the dynamic asset level investing, and this is ranking your portfolio by relative strength, it's consumer cyclicals have the number one spot, tech the number two, financials number three, industrials, and then basic materials. Now, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting, if you look at the S&P 500 on a capitalization-weighted base, 46% of the S&P 500 is technology. If you look at on a equal-weighted base, it's only 17%. So on a capitalization-weighted base, technology is taken over, and, and the question is, how long will that last? And that's something that I think we, you know, we all want to pay close attention to, all right? So, uh, you know, it's something um, that I think is, is really, really important. But anyway, getting back to the Russell 2000, we did break a quintuple, a spread quintuple top this last week, which is very positive. It's into a column of X's. And, uh, you know, the Russell 2000 has a lot of regional banks in it, which is positive, too, because, you know, you'll, you want a scenario where the regional banks play, you know, you want them leading is what I'm trying to say. But on top of that, if you look into, let's say, the Invesco Small Cap Info Technology ETF, You've broken one, two, three, four tops, a spread quadruple top there, too. So uh, we're starting to see some of the small caps start to play the game again. It's very, very important because, look, if you look at the S&P 500, everybody's looking for a correction. Ninety-five percent of the stocks in the S&P 500 so far have more than a 15% correction. In the Russell 2000 and the mid-cap, Almost 60% of the stocks are down over 25%. That's a lot, folks, okay? That's a whole lot. And so it's something that you have to pay particular attention to, and I hope you do. In the meantime, uh, let's take a break. Once again, the phone number here is 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. I'm Tim Hayes with Smart Investor Show. We'll be right back. Just tuned in, Smart Investor Show, and I'm uh, Tim Hayes, and uh, we have a beautiful day going. So I hope you're driving around at least, <laughs> going to Home Depot or whatever you got to do for the afternoon. Um, you know, I've been looking, and a couple things. Um, you know, we're supposed to buy low, sell high, okay? And one of the things that this administration has made perfectly clear, uh, whether I agree with it or not, a whole different story, but is that green is in. You know, the green energy is in. And we had a monster advance in green energy right at the at the beginning of the election, uh, which we, talk, we talked about, okay? And uh, we talked about, uh, I think it was, you know, the week before the election, uh, you know, what, what you could uh, uh, look for if each uh, candidate was elected. And we had a monster advance, and we had a 50% retracement of the monster advance. And now we've kind of gone sideways, okay? And... You know, 
environmental, social, and governance portfolios are becoming big with a, a lot of the people out there. And green is in, okay? Now, look, some of these stocks are down 60, 70, 80%. I'm just looking at a, uh, an ETF, okay? And it's it's still down big. So I, I'm seeing some positives, you know, like uh, some volume indicators and stuff like that on green. So that's the first thing I saw. The other thing is, which is exact opposite of what I just said, is that nobody's talking about energy again. Get energy, uh, you know, behind, uh, well, let's just put it this way. I think tech, communication services, uh, you know, there's been a couple others, uh, financials, you know, have been the place to be. Real estate's been really the place to be. That doesn't, you know, that's all that is, is, you know, worrying about inflation. But energy's up you know, was was the top performing index. But remember, three weeks ago, we said in the zone theory, Jim Yates' old option report, which is still a great thing to get, by the way, uh, it, everything was in zone five and six. Well, now everything's in zone one, two, or three. So it'll be interesting to see because the administration is talking about green energy, but they've cut off the pipelines. So... You know, you talk about a catch-22, <laughs> uh, there you go. And if you look, the downtrend on the the uh, production and, you know, uh, the uh, what we call the expiration production stocks, they've broken the downtrend, and they did a fairly significant volume, which is really interesting. And then if I look at the PPO, which if you don't understand that, you can look it up, has been very, very positive also. So, you know, it's that time when you got to start to pay attention to stuff like that and, uh and I think it, you know, it 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 might be very positive. Now, one of the other things I think you got to be very careful about is the participation has been somewhat improved, but it's still uh, poor. And uh, if you know who Carl Swellin is, uh, Swenlin, I'm sorry. Uh, and I think uh, I, I don't know if it's his daughter, Erin. Uh, they're both really good, uh, great technicians, and they they have the silver cross theory. Okay, a golden cross is, you know, the 50-day moving over the 200-day. Uh, the silver cross, you got to look it up for yourself because um, it gets kind of complicated. But there's not enough silver crosses occurring uh, in the, the mid-caps and the small-caps yet. And that's what he's, he's saying is that, you know, we're watching closely, but it's not there yet. Um, so, you know, that's something to pay particular attention to, I think, in, in my humble opinion. You know, because the, the more people... Uh, I'm sure to say more people, the more groups that, you know, participate, the better. The more stocks that participate, the better. Simple as that. Now, the people, I, I am starting to see some of the old, uh, you know, pandemic stocks come back, okay? And I, I can name a few, but I'm not going to. Uh, but I'm, you know, a lot of them are technology because uh, remember, I we talked about the digital world coming going forward. Now, uh, one of those, you know, got hammered last week, but they were making an acquisition. They, I don't think they like the acquisition, but for the most part, the the digital world is coming back, and I, you know, you got to pay attention to that. So, um, you know, I, I think that there could be something very very positive going on if if indeed. Uh, we get 
you know, we go further. Uh, and then we start to, you know, we, we, we've had the Russell 2000 break a quadruple top. We had the mid caps break a uh, double top. We had the Russell, I mean, the Russell, two, well, the small caps gave a relative strength buy signal. That's good stuff uh, now. So we might be at the beginning of a small cap rally. The large caps can only take us so far. They're expensive. All right. So, um, and I think if, you, if we, you know, we got to keep focusing on the long term. And I, I keep mentioning this to people. People get so, you know, they listen to CNBC. You know, boy, I tell you, I, I listen to that occasionally and it drives me crazy. Those people give you 50 different opinions in an hour. <laughs> you know, you've got to think long term, folks. We're in a secular bull market for now. All right. I don't see anything changing that anytime soon. We have a four-year cycle, and in that four-year cycle, you usually have a bottom at the beginning of it, which occurred last year. And then, you know, we get at the end of the, you know, we're about a year and year and a half into it. So about the second and a half, third year, going into the third year, then we start that corrective phase again, okay? But the 10-year uh, bounced from a, a very key downside level at 1.22% a couple times and then bounced up to 137. So now that becomes the range. And I think, you know, if you break that 137, then you go back with the value stocks. You go back with the reopening stops, the F percent of stocks. If it stays where it is in this range, stay with the growth stock. So it's a barbell approach that you have to work with again. You know, the barbell itself is your dividend stocks, your prime income list, your dividend growth portfolio, which you can get if you go to, you know, uh, WHK 1420, go to the local podcast down to Tim Hayes. And uh, it goes directly to my webpage and all sorts of contact me and email me on a cup of coffee. You know, uh, I think we can do that at a safe distance while it's still nice and, you know, a nice chill in the air and sit and have a cup of coffee and talk about your life and and where you want to go. Okay. The key is, is that it's all available to you, the prime income list, all that stuff. And uh, uh, I think that the the barbell on the right-hand side now has to be your value stocks, your epicenter stocks, okay? The left-hand side, the good high-quality growth stocks. You know, I had three stocks of 10 bucks last week. I had, you know, in a day. <laughs> that ain't a bad deal, all right? So that's the growth side of it. Now, the value side will be a little bit more deliberate. You know, it'll be, you know, slow, slowly but surely type of thing. But you got to balance it with enough value stocks and enough growth stocks because going forward, this administration, if they, they want to win the votes next year, they can't afford what they're doing, okay? They're, they're starting to talk back about uh, some of the stuff. You know, Mnuchin and the young lady from Idaho, or is it uh, Iowa, she's, you know, she's, they're both Democrats, and they're both pushing back on this uh, cost basis thing, you know, where the cost basis does not change on data death. That's big. That's huge, folks. So, uh, the currencies, I think the, the weekly momentum, if I look at it right, uh, for the dollar is starting to stall a little bit. It's near that 93, 94 area. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get things will get interesting. The Russell 2000 remains an important barometer, I think, for tracking investor risk appetite. And, you know, Dan Chernus, who's our head strategist, is just talking about, you know, that's where you want to be because they're not paying you enough in yield-oriented devices. And I think cyclicals are rebounding strongly uh, with with the yield numbers. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I noticed that some sold off and came right back. Uh, you know, one of my favorites broke out of a, to an all-time high just last week. 
Uh, we've had some trading ranges on some of my other favorites. Um, but, you know, we do have a lot of the FANG stocks breaking out and doing doing some interesting things. But remember, the long term, we're in a secular bull market. They usually last about 17 years. The question is when it started. You know, Rob Schleimer thinks it was 2017. Rob, Bob Dickey always thought it was 2015. Still, we got plenty of time. Now, doesn't mean we can't have a hard correction. We already had one. It happens. They'll be short and scary. Stay with us. We'll be right back with the bullish percent. This is the Smart Investor Show. If you want to have a cup of coffee with me, call me, WHK1420, local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show, and you'll see my webpage. Be right back. got an email from Marianne, and Marianne asked, Tim, I'd like to sit down and talk with you. How can I get a hold of you? <laughs> well, it's simple. Just go to WHK1420's webpage, go to local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show with Tim Hayes, and it goes right to my webpage. And there's all sorts of phone numbers or contact me or email me. So, uh, Marianne, if you're still listening, there you go. But we do have David on the line. David, how are you? Yeah, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, uh, real well. How are you? No complaints. What's new? I've got a question for you regarding um, Roth conversions. You know, with all these talk about taxes going north and all these Democrat crazy spending programs, do you think this is the year to do those big conversions before the taxes uh, start rising? You know, I never understood why anybody convert to a Roth. That's Tim Hayes. But I am not an accountant. I'm a financial advisor, okay? And that's a conversation you have with your accountant. But why pay the government now so that you don't pay them later? I guess it's a good idea. But why not, you know, look, if you can stretch your, your IRA out to the next generation and they, you know, do it the best you can. Now, Mr. Trump did kill the the you know the, the stretch stretch IRA, all right, which is a was a problem. Right. But I do believe you can still pass it on, uh, uh-huh. you know, and and not worry about the taxes at all. But uh, the Roth conversion may be a good thing. I don't know, but like I said, that's for your accountant to figure out, not for Tim Hayes, unfortunately, Dave. Uh, okay, you know, you're, you know, it's 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 a question I I have an opinion on. But I'm not your accountant. Okay, I got it. Very good. Thank yeah, you. So I, I I apologize. Have a great day. Okay. You know the uh, once again the the number here is two one six nine zero one zero nine four five two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. I hate to pass off the pass the buck there to the accountant, but I kind of have to. You know the resurgence of uh, resurgence of COVID cases across the globe has reignited these supply side issues and in particular shipping costs while demand for raw materials rate remains strong you know chinese ports have limited capacity and are moving slower than usual with strict protocols in place this has been a major tailwind for shipping costs as the draw uh, the baltic dry index which is an average of uh, prices paid for transport of dry bulk materials across more than 20 routes 
has more than doubled since the beginning of this year. And it's reached the highest level since 2010. Now, this, this environment offers an opportunity for investors in a space as higher shipping costs increase revenues for non-air transport. So you, I've got a couple names. I'm not going to mention them over the air. Got to call me. Uh, but, you know, there's some real interesting stuff going on in that area. All right? One, one of them I already own. <laughs> and I've owned it for, for years. Uh, the other I'm really interested in. There's also a water stock that I'm really interested in. If it pulls back, I can't get it to pull back. But we'll see. I, I bought a little and then it popped on me. Uh, but we added it to our best idea list, by the way. Now, the bullish percent is still in a column of O's, but it was up 3.5% this week. Uh, so it's at 58.4 and would go back into a column of X's at 60. That would be like the ninth time this year. It's making me crazy, but I think the key ingredient here is that domestic equities are still the number one asset class. Remember, Tim Hayes went on the air at WHK back in 2000 at the end of 2007. And I said it for the first six months of 2008. I said the money market would outperform the stock market because the money market was the number one relative strength product. Now that doesn't happen very often. It did that year and it was, it was better to be in money markets. Matter of fact, I got a couple of clients uh, who, who brought their accounts over to me and they, they got kind of impatient. They said, Tim, why aren't you buying anything? And I said, I will, but not today. <laughs> so we didn't charge him anything. We didn't invest in anything. And then we started, uh, you know, in March of uh, 2009, we started to buy things. But the key here is we're still in a column of O's, so you've got to be careful. But you also got to rem- remember that domestic equities are still the number one asset class for now. Okay? So as long as that's the case, uh, that's where you, you probably want to be. But, you know, you're, and when you're in a column of O's, Distribution happens a lot faster than accumulation. So well, let's explain this concept to you. It was started by some protege, you know, uh, a protege of Charles Dow, and we put a chart from zero to 100. When we get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when things are too hot to handle. When we get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when nobody wants to talk about the stock market. Everybody's fearful. That's when you should be greedy. Column of X's puts the offensive team on the field. Column of O's means distribution. Now, we've been between 60 and 80, then 60 and 78, 76, 74, but it's always been 60. This time we broke it. And so I'm a little bit more weary of this. So, you know, the corrective phase could occur. It's been occurring. We've had this subterranean (laughs) type correction, and it's been happening. I mean, take a look at some of the small cap stocks. They're down 40, 50%. Take a look at some of the green stocks. You know, they get killed. You know, down 50, 60, 70%. And you know what? If you're going to buy low or sell high, the green indexes are starting to firm up. All right? But the -the over-the-counter index, the smaller names, were up 3.6% this week. They would go positive at 48, which would be great field position, by the way. But they're at 45.8%. The world index was up 3.5%. They're at 46. Uh, they would go positive at 48. So we're still in the column of O's. Still want to be a little bit more careful, have a little bit more cash. Uh, that's just the way it is. Now, 
I, I looked at the Russell 2000 and I, I looked at uh, uh, some interesting stocks that have just bounced from oversold territories. Uh, and a lot of it's been healthcare, by the way. Um, so if you look at the returns, healthcare has been one of the leaders. Financials has been number two. Uh, then it's been um, industrials, then technology, and then consumer discretionary. So um, I, I, what, look, the, the Mimi stocks are back, okay? Uh, so if you don't know what those are, well, I can't help you. But uh, uh, I'm also seeing some of the best total returns have been in healthcare stocks that have bounced, all right? Uh, one in particular, by the way. So uh, we have seen, you know, one that I've owned for a long, long time, a couple of semiconductors uh, that were small caps that are now mid caps, which is uh, very positive. So we'll keep that in mind. Um, you know, I was, I was looking at emerging markets, and emerging markets have been negative for 14 weeks. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at a certain ETF, but it went positive this week. Uh, and so we, we had some of the foreign markets who have been negative for a long time go positive. We've also had the mid-cap index, which had been negative for like 17, 18 weeks. This is the fourth positive week of momentum. And the small caps, which were even longer now, it's 25 weeks you know, have been positive for three weeks now, where some of the bigger names, like the QQQs and the XLGs, have been negative now for five weeks. So it's been the smaller names that have been going forward. I, you know, had a, one insider buy that I mentioned on the show was up 10 bucks uh, on Thursday and another five bucks on Friday. So um, several of my clients have it. Um, but, you know, if you look at the, the overall market, you know, the the best performing uh, index is still the small cap index. It's still up 22% for the year. <laughs> the equal weight index is up 22%. So that's the mid caps. Uh, and mid caps are up about 21.8. So um, they are still leading the way. Uh, so you, you want those guys to participate, okay? Uh, and, and like I said, the small if I look at the IJR, that's the S&P 500 small cap index, it's in a column of X's. It has to break 118 uh, to be into new high ground, so we'll see what happens. But we did break on the Russell 2000 uh, quadruple top, okay? Uh, no, I'm sorry, quintuple top, uh, and it was spread quintuple top. Now, what's really interesting, I think, is the EEM. You know, that's the one that been had broken down and now reversed back up. So we'll see what happens, uh, you know, these – go sideways a little bit, maybe, or, or break out. But that had a lot of the Chinese technology stocks in it, which just got hammered. Um, but if you look at the equal weight ETF or the Spider, the Spider looks great. I mean, it you know, because the large stocks are doing much better uh, than anybody anticipated. So we'll leave it at that. Now, as far as favorite sectors, there's only one group that's favored. That's banking. Everything else is unfavored. <laughs> I, I I've been around a while and I haven't seen that before. Uh, so what you're seeing is turbulence below the large cap stocks, meaning that there's a lot of stocks correcting. And it's from precious metals to aerospace to biotech, housing. You know, they've all had 15 to 25, 30% corrections. So um, we are correcting it just, it's below the surface. So the iceberg you're seeing the tip of the iceberg, but you're not seeing what's happened below. All right. We just had two things uh, that of interest, two groups, gaming and semiconductors, which were unfavored. 
went to average this week. Uh, so just keep that in mind. And uh, uh, I looked at international, and Netherlands still runs the place. Uh, Taiwan's interesting, Sweden, then India, and then Finland. Uh, the rest of the stuff, I don't know. I just I don't I don't see anything that perks my interest. Uh, South Korea, which had just got beat up pretty bad, broke uh, a triple bottom a while back, has reversed back into a column of O's, so maybe that's a way to go. Uh, and, and I looked at several different South Korean ETFs, and they're all kind of very similar, right? Uh, now, everybody's been asking me, you know, Jim, still not talking about bonds that much. Well, I did some fixed income stuff in the last couple of months, um, uh, but I think there should be filler. But convertible bonds are still the place to be. Inflation protected would be the number two. The municipal bond high yield area uh, has got a lot of money flow into it. So people are worried about taxes, uh, but they're not worried about, you know, it's not all municipals, high yield municipals. So they're, they're, they're into more, you know, risk oriented type scenarios. And same with corporate high, high yields. That's the area I would stick with if I were in fixed income. Um, I did notice that, you know, gold turned positive for the first time and, uh, hadn't seen that in a while. And then, uh, Positive momentum, I should say. And as far as relative strength, uh, we just had a couple. Option Care went positive, Equifax went positive, uh, and, and NetTap, and Bit Mining, and AMC, just another name. So uh, we'll, that's, that's all we have for the positive relative strength for the week. In the meantime, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. Get you in here. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. on mute for a minute there uh uh we always talk about insider buying uh simply because uh they know more about the company than we do <laughs> but what we're looking for is the big insider buys okay so we're not going to mess around with the little stuff we're going to talk about the big stuff and uh because that's where i think you really need the money now just so you know there was a stock that we recommended we didn't recommend we just talked about insider buying one month ago it was up 10 bucks on Thursday, 5 bucks on Friday. It's up 38% already. Not bad for a month. <laughs> so you should pay attention. You might want to write down some of these names. First of all, Zio Farm, the new CEO, uh, bought 875,000 shares. Now, this stock has got killed, but there's some smart people here. Michael Dell's you know, hedge fund is involved in it. Uh, Bill Miller from the Miller Value Fund has got a 7% position. Uh, Tom Barton, who was probably George Soros' best uh, uh, portfolio manager of all time, and White Oak, White Rock, I'm sorry, out of Texas, 
He owns some of it, at least he used to. Uh, so uh, they just they they had a CEO who was too busy doing personal stuff to worry about the science, and he's gone now. So we've got a guy who's uh, run a couple companies uh, and should be interesting. Um, I don't know. It's not for everybody, though. Also, we have uh, Airpio Pharmaceuticals, and this is interesting because this guy's a director, and he's, uh, his last name is Dalal, and I think you should probably look his name up, but he bought $20 million, $20 million worth of stock, which is in junk change. Also, we had Marlo Hernandez, and this is Cano Health, uh, and he is the CEO and president, and he bought uh, $13 million worth. I bought 1.3 million shares, by the way, uh, so that's more than 13 million. So I don't know if he bought it twice. Oh, yeah. Uh, but also the chief clinical officer, uh, Richard Aguilar, uh, bought $860,000 worth too. Uh, but I think th- this wasn't published, but I saw this, you know, in my investor, in my insider thing, but I did see that Hernandez bought a week ago and it didn't show up last week. And he bought, uh, you know, $1.2 million worth of, uh, uh, uh Cano too. So, um, uh, interesting stock. Uh, Josh Kushner, uh, who's the co-founder and vice chairman of Oscar Health, bought some more stock. You may recall last week he bought quite a bit. He bought uh, $4.9 million, and then he bought $4.7 million this last week. And here's a really interesting one. Uh, and we talked about it. Cerebral. Therapeutics, where uh, our folks at Perceptive Advisors, which is smart money, that's smart money, had bought quite a bit of stock, and they bought another uh, $2 million worth. So they bought quite a bit. Now, here's one that's really interesting. Uh, Bill Grant, the chief office, uh, operating officer, and Bob Grant, the, the uh, president and uh, se- senior president, I should say, both bought $2 million worth of select quotes. Now, this is interesting because the stock got actually killed. What also is interesting is, t- is Tim Danker, who's the chief executive officer, bought a million dollars worth, and Nancy Pelosi's husband bought uh, eight hundred thousand dollars worth. So, uh, hmm. Uh, we also had a couple others. The chief financial officer, which you like to see a select quote by eight hundred forty thousand dollars, ninety-five thousand shares, uh, and he has a ton of it. Uh, I like when CFOs buy the money guys. Uh, you know, buy, you got to pay close attention. Also, Hims and Hers Health, uh, which has got beaten up. David Wells, a director, bought $1.7 million worth of stock. Uh, that's a pretty good chunk of change. And then GoodRx, uh, Abdeel Capital, which is very smart money, bought $26,400,000 worth of stock. Uh, GoodRx slumped after the new... Uh, after the deal, and I don't know why they they blew the cover off the ball. Their earnings actually were flat, but if you you read into them, you realize that they had 28 percent more stock, and that may have been the problem. They were putting out more stock, so they're they've stopped kind of doing that now, and uh, that could get real interesting. Uh, and then uh, Re Automotive. I'm not real. Sh- I think this was a uh, a uh, SPAC that came public and just got beat up. Uh, but uh, hot. Hans Thomas uh, bought uh, nine hundred thousand dollars worth, and David Weisberg, who's uh, uh, he, he he was involved in the SPAC, bought seven hundred thousand dollars worth. So that's kind of interesting. And uh, a couple other names: uh, Everquote, which was uh, a name that uh, it's in the software area, internet content and that type of thing. 
they got beat up pretty bad. And then this is Dave London, who's a director, who's a very smart director, by the way, bought quite a bit. Um, and also uh, Design Therapeutics, we had a director there by uh, $600,000 worth. A couple other names. You know, David Wells, by the way, I, I mentioned he just bought once. I forgot to mention last week he had bought like, uh, you know, $1.2 million worth of hims and hers. So I, I wanted to mention that. Uh, Ramble On, uh, we had the first buy of that stock, uh, which is an internet real retailer, $500,000. You know, you like to see, you know, look, when these guys have this much stock, uh, you want to pay attention. Because when they, if they buy after the stock backs off on a new you know new issue, normally they're selling. You know they're buying their house in the coast of Marseille or they're buying their new Porsche Carrera or that type of thing. Also, I've got to mention on Zio Farm we had the CEO buy, but we also had James Huang, uh, Huang, I think it's Huang. I can't pronounce that properly. He bought 100,000 shares, and why is that important? Uh, he he's with one of the largest venture capital companies in the world. And he's now the CEO. All right, he's chairman of the board. Uh, so Xiofarm might be a, an interesting one. They got great technology, so we'll see what happens. Now, uh, in, don't have much time left, but I think here, here's a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, the S and P 500. If we look at it, its monthly performance versus bonds, it has broken out drastically. All right. So it's much better being stocks than bonds. And, you know, we talked about uh, Rob Schleimer follows the weekly quadrant balance indicator and that the weekly and the daily were turning up together. And uh, so the weekly uh, turned up hard this week. And, and it's still, I mean, if you look at the the chart, uh, the daily chart, we still have a lot of room to get to the top of the range, right? So we'll, we'll see what happens from, from here. Uh, the one thing, like I said, is, is we, we need more participants. Uh, the advanced decline lines are flat, all right? So what we want to do is uh, see them break out. But if we look at the Russell and we look back to 2017 when it, the Russell made a big move, uh, they look a lot alike. And you, you may recall back then the Fed was starting to taper, all right? So uh, it, it could get really interesting. And uh, with the relative strength turning up, I think it's really important. One other thing, investors were too bullish three months ago. All right? They were too bullish. Now they've backed off, and you know, they're not exactly terribly bearish either, uh, but they were. They certainly weren't bearish. And the bearish numbers on the American Association of Individual Investors have picked up, and the bullish sector has turned down. That's a good sign. Okay, a very, very good sign. The other thing I want to talk about is the Citigroup economic surprise. If you look at the U.S., we're way, way, people are expecting a big surprise. They're not expecting a surprise anymore, okay? And on an international basis, they're not expecting it very much either. And if I look at growth versus value, they're pretty much even Stevens since the beginning of, of, well, since basically April of last year. So, I said, you need that barbell approach. So now, in the meantime, what I would be doing, if, if you want to get in touch with me or you want to have a, a sit-down with me, go to WHK's webpage, WHK1420, local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of contact me. You can go right to my webpage. It's very easy, by the way. 
contact me email. There's a telephone number there. You can call me. I, I talked to the three gentlemen last week. Uh, they were all really nice, and I sent them some material, and we'll take it from there. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we do have things that are available to you. Uh, we have the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. Dividend stocks have not been keeping up with growth stocks. I think they're about to. This administration, it looks a lot like the administration from the Obama years, Okay. Slow growth is ahead if they get what they want. If they get what they want, that's where you want to be, dividend growth and, and prime income. Why? Because you can't fake dividend growth, and you don't have to sell them. You just accumulate them, and you you know, you know reinvest the dividend, and then you don't have to worry about taxes as much. <laughs> but we do have our top ideas, small cap ideas, like I, I spent a lot of time on small cap and mid cap today. We have our Multi-cap ideas, large, small, and mid. We have a small cap ideas. They've been doing great, all right? Highly recommend it. And better to sell your credit right now than to buy credit. So the Savvy, uh, Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, Women and Wealth, a planning guide for all you ladies out there. Also, Money Matters for the Young Professionals. I think it's a, you know, if you're just getting started, this is a great way to learn, all right? And then finally, the business owner's guide to transition planning. Anybody out there selling their business, let us know. Believe me, there you get better prices if you if you use the right people. You can also uh, uh, this this helps you figure that out. By the way, private equity is trying to steal your business. In the meantime, have a great weekend. It's a beautiful, uh, happy Labor Day to everybody. And uh, remember to buy low, sell high. My name's Tim Hayes. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.